Hello and welcome to episode number 13 of RizzoCast. I'm Steven Rizzotto and today's guest is the owner at Napa Sports News and uh, he's also covered uh, high school sports elsewhere, prep to prep. He's also covered professional sports, baseball with the San Francisco Giants for a couple of different publications. Kyle Foster. Kyle, how are you? I'm great. How about you, Steven? And thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I'm doing good. Um, Gorgeous day in, in California, obviously. Um, but a lot of times so far this year, we haven't been able to take advantage of these gorgeous days uh, due to the shelter in place that's been ongoing. Um, so me personally, I've picked up a couple of things. I've been reading a lot more. I've obviously done these podcasts. Um, so have you picked up on anything? And if so, what have you been doing? So from the minute the shelter in place really took effect, um, I was doing my Arizona State University online, so that basically just gave me more chance to, you know, do my work better and more timely instead of having to worry about games to go to and all that kind of stuff. So that's basically been the main thing I've been doing. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos too, but trying to learn some other stuff about technology and stuff. I'm all of a sudden becoming a kind of a techie, you could say. I like um, about Windows stuff. I like iOS stuff. That's the interesting stuff. I don't know why I picked up on that, but yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing. Binge watching any shows? <laughs> uh, Survivor in like April, but we haven't really watched it in like two months now. So, mm. so let's get into some of the big news. So um, we're recording this on Wednesday, on Tuesday, uh, June twenty third. So the day before this one, which was the Monday, Major League Baseball and the Players Association have disagreed on yet another proposal. It was uh, voted against by the Players' Union representatives by a vote of 33 to – I forget what the other uh, vote totals was. What was it? Five. Five. 33 to five. And just a buzzkill, to be honest with you. I mean, these negotiations have made baseball look silly. I think that's a flat-out fact at this point. Um, but now Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball and the owners have agreed unanimously to um, implement a season that is around 54 to 60 games. So we'll see what that looks like. It looks like we're set to go back to baseball in July. Uh, we'll see what happens with grievance and all that. Uh, but just give me your overall thoughts on the entire situation. I think it's a bad look for the game personally, but um, the thing is, this doesn't even have anything to do with the new CBA. So when it goes to become the new CBA and after the 2021 season, is this going to hurt matters? Like, I'm more worried about the future. I know we're going to have a season this year and next year, but beyond that, I'm kind of worried. And um, I'm fine with the 60-game season. I mean, we're going to have a universal DH, too, um, which should help the National League teams because they can already stack their lineups even better. But, um, yeah, I just want baseball again, man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the problem that we ran into – with these negotiations were they were worried, both sides were worried about the CBA um, during these negotiations. And I think that's kind of jumping the gun a little bit. I think they failed to understand. And I mentioned this with FP in the prior episode, um, but they failed to um, look at the the present time and they, they jumped ahead to the future. So this stuff kind of like the designated hitter and the, um, all the stuff, they, the expanded playoffs that we've been seeing, the 16 teams, I feel like all of this stuff has been kind of in an effort to 
jumpstart the CBA talks after 2021. Uh, but when do you think about some of those changes? I know you just briefly brought up the DH. Me personally, I wouldn't oppose it. I think I would prefer it to be kind of two separate leagues uh, in terms of, you know, I'd, I'm fine with how it is now. But then again, it would not be the worst thing in the world, in my opinion, to have the DH. So what are your thoughts on implementing the DH? Well, I'm like you. I'm a National League purist. I, I prefer the pitcher to bat and then the managers to have to use their bench and everybody to win a ball game. That being said, the DH is fine for a 60-game season. I don't want it in 2021, however. Um, so it's funny we talk about the DH. I'm actually writing a story for Around the Foghorn, which is one of my other publications that I write for, on who the Giants' three best options are for the designated hitter spot. So that's a fun one that I'll get into, and it will hopefully publish by um, by July. Hopefully if there's a season, they report. So who are some of the options that you noted down for the DH? So my right now, I'd say my best three options are I put I combined two people together in one group, which is the catchers. Because if you think about it, you could have Joey Bart be on one, be the DH and catch twenty games, and have Posey since he's already kind of you know hurt and damaged goods and, and out on the back end of his career, catch the other forty, and then do a little platoon, and that will help them each get rest when they need it, but also Bart. Acclimate to big league pitching on both sides, whether it's behind the dish or hitting off of it. And then after that, I say Jalen Davis because I'm not sure where they're going to find a place for him to play in the outfield, especially with there not being any minor league baseball this year. I think he's the prime candidate for that. You could also throw 100 pence in there too. But I think the best option that they have is Pablo Sandoval because he's been injured over the last few years. He's not going to play as many games at third base as Evan Longoria is. He's a prime candidate for the DH, and that's almost a role that you can say he fits perfectly in. Yeah, for sure. I think um, – and I don't know what the roster size is going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be 28, 30, 32. We'll never know until this thing gets underway. But, yeah, I would I would agree with you. I'd say Sandoval, Pence, Davis, even throwing a guy like Darren Ruff, um, Brandon Belt, maybe Buster Posey, you know, all the all the – candidates that you just mentioned also another thing that's been brought up on twitter has been ties in baseball um and that's something that i've seen that owners or i don't know if it was owners that said it or just baseball media kind of um throwing this out there but um it would not be it wasn't brought up in these negotiations but it's just kind of a uh you know hey we're talking about new stuff why don't we talk about ties personally i think that ties I don't like them. I don't like the concept of them. I think you're you're either going to have a winner or a loser at the end of the day. But then again, it would help on things like long extra inning games to preserve pitching. Um, so I per, I don't know where I stand on ties, but where do you stand? I'm like you. I don't like ties all that much at all. And um, I think that extra innings are part of, the, part of baseball. It's just how it is. And in a 60-game season, we need to have extra inning games so we can determine a winner and a loser. It'll make the standings a lot easier to figure out. Because we've seen in the NFL when they have a tie, what it does to the standings. It makes things all weird and it doesn't make sense. But in Major League Baseball, it's a sport where you have to have a winner and a loser, I think, just for the sake of the standings and for, because every run means so much, and especially this season with a 60-game season. For sure. And another thing that was also brought up 
uh, was runners at second base to start extra innings. Uh, and you just mentioned how you like extra innings. Uh, and I agree. I think, especially in a 60 game season, this, this type of thing can't happen. Um, but I think I like this idea a little bit. Um, again, prefer it not to happen, but I kind of stand the same way with the DH, how, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And I think this thing with runner starting at second base to start extra innings isn't as bad as it sounds. Right off the bat, it sounds Bush League, right? But I think, you know, you, 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 get, you get the lineup a chance to hit one through one time through. I'm gibberishing my words here. You get the lineup to go through once in extra innings. So then you start it like in the 12th inning, 13th inning. And then you have a runner at second base to start extra innings. This would make things more dramatic, I feel. And whoever wins the best um, – whoever plays the best fundamental baseball would win that game. And if you don't bunt to get the guy over and then you don't knock him in, you know, maybe you're not the superior team. So I don't know. That's just kind of my mindset. Where, where do you stand on runners at second base to start extra innings? So since I cover high school softball, I've seen this. It's the international tiebreaker rule is what mm-hmm. they call it. And um, I mean, it took me a while to get used to, but really if you think about it, both teams have a chance to be productive with runners in scoring position. So as you said, it might add for more scoring, but then again, is that is it really worth it? Do, do you really feel like it, you won the game because it's not pure, like you didn't get a single steal, you know, and then a bunt or sack fly to score, and then boom. I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn on it, but since I've seen it on the softball field, I feel like I could be able to acclimate to it in baseball. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the worst thing. Certainly not as bad as some of the other rules I've heard, but I'm fine with it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I had my first experience with it last summer in tournament baseball. Um, we went pretty and it, it kept going back and forth and it was fun. Cause you know, if, if a team does get the job done and does bun a guy over, then a sack fly, then the next team has a chance to do it and it, it could keep going back and forth. And I feel like that's a fun situation for the fans. Like, Oh, let's see if they could do it. You know, um, Moving on. So I want to ask you about uh, your childhood growing up with sports. You're a big sports fan now. So how did it start with you kind of getting accustomed to sports? So from the minute I was born, I was, I was placed in something that was a Dallas Cowboys jersey or shirt or something. <laughs> so that was the, from the minute I was born, I was acclimated to sports by my father. But then beyond that, when I got to like age three, all of a sudden I, there was a baseball game on. Just so happened the Giants were playing somebody. I forget who it was, but Barry Bonds was the one that got my attention. From there on, I've loved the Giants and loved baseball ever since. But, um, you know, football is something that sort of grew on me as time went on because I didn't understand it, you know. But now, I mean, that's another thing that I like. And then, obviously, there's basketball because we have a lot of good high school basketball here. But my family has origins of playing basketball in Southern California. So basically, I've been around it my whole life. I most like most journalists, I would say I was terrible at sports, but I wanted to be around it. So, um, yeah, that's how I got into it. And really, it's my family. I played youth sports here in Napa, but you know, sometimes it's just not meant to be. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, I, I, I couldn't hit, and I could not hit at all. I was mostly a PO, especially my last two years, pretty much a PO. Uh, who was one of the, the, like a bullpen weapon. And 
I'd start, I'd, I'd the, the game would start and I'd kind of sit down, relax. I'd come in for an inning or two and then I'd sit back down. I was content with that. And the minute I realized I was content with that, I was like, you know what, this is it. This is going to be my, I'm not going to continue this in college. Anyways. So you uh, run your own website here, Napa sports news. Uh, so yeah, when did that start and why did you decide to start it? So uh, after a long journey of um, writing for other publications in Napa that weren't like so well known, um, either, you know, situations brought themselves up to where, you know, a split needed to happen or in the case that, of where I was at beforehand, it, it uh, went out of business. So I'm like, I got to keep writing sport, writing about sports here in Napa. So on July 4th, of 2018 yeah 2018 i bought the domain name and uh this is going to be its third year going on third anniversary on july 4th what a great day to have it anyway but yeah, yeah so um sure. it, it's been fun and uh it's really helped grow my name i mean i cover all three schools here in napa vintage and justin siena so it's really fun especially with all of them being in the same league mm -hmm, for sure and i've uh, heard your name mentioned. Uh, well, I've actually mentioned your names to some people out here in uh, in San Francisco, and they know who you are. So I think you've done a pretty good job. Um, how about running the site? What 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 does it take to run a site like that? Um, I have a blog, but I don't I don't really put too much stock into it as much as I should. Um, YouTube, I kind of look at the analytics, but you know we're still kind of growing uh, and still trying to figure out how to get off here um so what kind of what kind of work do you do in terms of checking the website uh i know you mentioned uh you check it a lot you check the analytics a lot so how do you how do you go on that with the website yeah every morning i get up and i and i have my like six startup pages in chrome and my website's the second one so it's like the second one that i check because i check my email and then boom it's my uh my website and what I'll do throughout the day is check for updates, check to be sure everything's working right on the homepage and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a very hands-on approach and a little, probably a little bit freaky, but um, I mean, it's worked. I've grown my page to my website from zero subscribers. And when I first started all the way to like 98 right now, and it's, you can subscribe for free. I mean, it's completely free and I just try to do a bunch of random stuff on there, but yeah. Um, this time has been good because I've had to deal through some uh, some website issues, which thankfully the host was able to take care of. And now it's been now it's running better than it ever has. So I mean, it's it, it takes a lot of work, but if you love what if you love it, you'll never work a day in your life, right? So yeah, that's the fun part about running a website. Exactly, and I'm I'm seeing it a little bit different with YouTube, but obviously the views aren't where we want them to be, but still growing. Uh, so in terms of covering high school sports, that's kind of your thing. I know you've done maybe some college and some pro, but I feel like the access is, you know, high school sports, that's where you get all the access. That's where you get people before they're big. Um, how, what makes high school, what, what does it differentiate or how does high school sports differentiate? I can't say that word. How does, <laughs> how does high school sports kind of, um, how is it different from maybe college or pro? So my favorite thing about high school sports is just the pureness of it. The pureness of high school sports. And then the fact that you get the community bond. 
Like whenever we get the three local schools, two of the three local schools here playing each other, it's it's like it's a huge game in town, even if it's like for the last place in the league. Like you can feel the intensity mm-hmm. because they're all within five miles of each other. And um, that alone also is just super fun. But the thing about high school sports is like everybody knows each other, you know, um, I always find myself on Friday nights looking for other results of other games, even if they're not even in my section, you know, just to keep up. And, yeah, high school sports, the pureness of it, it's just great. And not that college sports isn't pure, but when you get to college, the kids aren't – I'm not going to say they aren't more into it, but in high school it just feels like it means a little more, if you know what I mean. I'm sure being a high school athlete, I'm sure you understand that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And I think – um, as <laughs> I'm waiting for a box and these FedEx car goes by, Amazon goes by, like, oh gosh. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree completely. High school sports is really pure. Um, I think at every level you're going to run into the one coach or the one, you know, player that is trying to get ahead and trying to get recruited and does crazy stuff to get to that point. And it, it doesn't, you know, it's sometimes it gets a little messy with politics and stuff. And I've learned that high school sports is very political and there's a lot of kissing up that goes into it that people do. It's not good, but I think um, overall, man, it, it's great. High school sports is, is where some of the, the best talent, especially guys that, you know, are good, but maybe not ever going to play again past high school. Uh, so it's a chance for them to kind of get their feet wet and continue their careers. I Agreed. Think and another thing about high school. Oh, sorry to cut you off there. Go for it. But another thing about high school sports is like, um, just the bond it brings between the kids. Like we have Napa and Vintage here, which we call a big game. It draws everybody, and like the kids know each other because they all grew up with each other. It's something you just can't match. And another thing that I've really enjoyed about covering high school sports is telling the kids stories. Like, I didn't realize that I was doing that a few years ago when I graduated high school, but now it's like, oh, man, I'm telling their story. And that takes on a whole new meaning of, like, covering high school sports. Because I've always said, you know, it's not about me. Like, I, I, I really don't even want all the fame that I get from it. I, I just like doing it to give the kids their fair due about what they're doing on the athletic field. So, yeah, that's another thing I wanted to point out about high school sports. Yeah, for sure. As I had a somebody on my team. It's crazy outside, man. Now I got a teammate scootering down my street. What's going on? So, um, yeah. Anyways, like you mentioned, I think one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever heard in journalism came from uh, Miss Sutton. If you're watching or listening, uh, who is our advisor at Reardon, uh, she said, "Never be the story. Never be the story." always tell the story, but never be a part of the story. And I think that's a key job for journalists. And I'm glad that um, that's something that you also live by. Um, and I, Ethan, yeah, and, I had Ethan, uh, go ahead. Yeah. And I mean, like all these parents, like they say, thank you for what I'm doing. It's like your kid's the one doing the good job <laughs> on the court. So thank them. You know, it's like, I'm really not here to, I'm just here as somebody else telling their story. Like that, that's my job. I, I, and I enjoy keeping stats. I'm, I'm a kind of a different person for that meaning, but yeah, I'm just here to tell their story. Don't thank me for it. Your kids are the one doing the jo- great job on the athletic field. Yeah, exactly. And I was talking to Ethan Castle about this. Who's also, um, yeah, he's good. 
yeah, he's he's also kind of in the industry in terms of covering high school sports. Uh, and he mentioned that a lot of these guys are not media trained yet because I know some pro athletes, like, they're used to answering questions. Some of these guys, it's their first interview, and I think that's really cool that uh, they get to see their name published on a website. And I think I, – I feel like it's it's a really special opportunity for them. Do you ever get that feel where, like – you know, this could be the first time this kid's ever gotten interviewed and you see kind of the, the, his, his eyes light up. Is that kind of like special for you too? Oh yeah. It's, it actually adds a little bit more pressure to the interview because I'll have the parents recording me interviewing their child and it's like, Whoa, okay, now I've got to take my interview to a whole new level. And it's like, but then they share the story and I'm like, wow, I must, and that's another thing. If they share your story on Facebook, Twitter, or whatever social media, that means you've done your job right. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that, that that's what I live for is people sharing my work because sure, I'm going to share my work. I'm going to share every piece of my work, but if parents are sharing their work, the work that I do, then that means I've done a good job as a journalist. So also uh, you mentioned July 4th, which is when you had uh, the start of your website. Uh, another thing that happens on July 4th, which is not happening this year, is the uh, Joe DiMaggio League tournament that happens in Yonville at the Veterans Home down there. I had the opportunity to play in one of them two years ago, I think. I was going to be a junior, and um, it was a great experience. You my younger brother. Yeah, it was extremely hot. I did play your younger brother. I didn't even know. Uh, it was extremely hot. It was a great environment for baseball. Uh, I know FP on the last episode said he played there. Uh, so it's a great, it's a great environment. And, you know, the vets really get into it. Uh, and then we move over to Justin Siena and that's a great environment too. So what do you like a lot about covering that event? Cause I know you've covered it. Oh, the 4th of July tournament is something that you can't beat because um, the vets and being up at the vets home on the 4th of July is just the best feeling ever. Cause it's like, these are the people who gave us this freedom so now we're playing baseball for them and basically saying thanks to them. On top of that, though, the environment, like you mentioned, Borman Field, you can't beat it. Mm-hmm. You seriously can't beat it. And it, unfortunately, we won't get any games up there this summer, probably until next, uh, next summer. But, yeah, you can't beat Borman Field and the, histor- the history of it. I mean, it, it's a, talking about it makes me miss it, honestly. Yeah, but, uh, but it's a great place, and like I said, we'll be back there at some point. But the obviously with coronavirus, we're worrying about the vets and all that. But they will, baseball will be back up there at some point, and I'm sure that the vets will be happier than ever for it to come back. For sure, and I have a funny story about that field. We were staying in a hotel because it was a two day tournament or something, I think, yeah. and um. We were staying in Napa, a little bit down the road from Yonville, maybe 20 minutes, 15 minutes. The Marriott? I don't know where it was, but um, we were staying there. And after one of the games, we went back to the hotel and we were going to go grab some dinner at Black Bear Diner, which was right, uh, right across the road. Um, oh, and, yeah. <laughs> so we went to go grab dinner there. And my mom was like, where's my wallet? Where's my purse? We left the purse at the field. So luckily oh. we went back. And her purse was still there. They didn't raffle it off or anything. So, Mom, I know you're watching this. Don't leave your purse anywhere because maybe next time it won't be there. So that's kind of a funny story I have about that. Also, down the road from Napa, um, 
well, not maybe down the road, but nearby Sonoma uh, has NASCAR. And I know you're, you're a pretty big okay. NASCAR fan. Um, what is kind of the experience being so close to NASCAR? And um, have you had the chance to cover it? So up until last summer of 2019, I had gone to the race for 10 straight years as a fan with my family. Wow. And then, and then I had the bright idea. It's like, oh, you're, you do media. You can cover this event. So I reached out to the people at Sonoma Raceway, and they're all. And, and they told me the, the, how to get in. So I applied for credentials, did all, did all that stuff. They gave me credentials, and I covered my first NASCAR race last year at Sonoma. Time of my life, dude, doing anything journalism. I don't care if the reads weren't good on the story, because I was having the time of my life. And just the access that they give you to be up, up so up close with the drivers and just all the teams and the people, it's second to none. And, it, and even if you're not like a NASCAR fan, I would recommend trying to cover it because, A, it'll get you to really get involved in the sport and put you out of your comfort zone because it certainly did that for me the first weekend, even though I knew every driver, like who they were and all that kind of stuff. I was nervous because, like, oh, I, do, I don't want to ask the wrong question and all that. But, um, and you also get to meet all the professionals of the sport. It's great. I mean, it's a, it's an, it's an opportunity that I missed having this year because they didn't come here. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, in 2021, when they come back, it is going to be a blast. It, it's a long weekend. Sure. Because you have to leave it. I had to leave at five in the morning, six in the morning on race day and didn't get home till six at night. But the tiredness is way worth it to, for the one whole weekend i mean it's a second to none opportunity that you can't miss and then so it's funny while we're talking about other pro sports i also cover the safeway open which happens at silverado resort and spa here in napa that's another fun event too golf and this is stuff that i that i just you know you have to reach out to in order to do this stuff if you don't reach out you're gonna you're, the answer is always gonna be no so i've just said you know what's what do i have to lose mm-hmm. you know i mean that's really how i look at it yeah, it's good advice for young journalists. A couple more things here before we wrap up. I want to get more into your Giants coverage. You write for Around the Foghorn. You did write uh, for China Basin Chatter. I did some stuff with them too. So kind of kind of reel me in. What do you what do you like a lot about covering uh, Major League Baseball and the San Francisco Giants? So baseball's been a part of my life since I would think I was three or four or something like that. And um, again, I just it wasn't even about the like around the foghorn being paid. It was more about the valuable experience you're getting covering major league sport, major league baseball. Sorry, my phone is. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. See you, Lena. Oh, I hit it back here. Uh, <laughs> See, this is this is. I don't know how to use right here. here we go. Let's turn it off. This is how we get views right here. Content like that creates great stuff. (laughs) Sorry about that. But anyway, so with Around the Foghorn, um, it was really just about gaining more uh, more time writing about the Giants. And um, again, I applied there, and they're all, yes, you're on. And unfortunately, with this new uh, AB5 in California, you know, where you can only do 35 stories a year. Yeah. I've had to limit my stories, but still on top of that, it's been a lot of fun. And not having baseball has actually made it to where I can focus on other things, as we've already mentioned. 
But um, honestly, I can say I wouldn't be writing for Around the Foghorn if it wasn't for writing at China Basin Chatter first. That was a that was a place to propel me. I don't know how to say that right, but it propelled me into the opportunity to write for Around the Foghorn, and I'm forever thankful for that. Nick, I mean, he really played a huge part in that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Nick's great. Uh, so finally, before we head off, the state of high school football, the state of high school sports mm-hmm. in general, the CIF has issued some statements pretty much the ones I've read saying, oh, we're having a meeting about this. And then the next statement, oh, we're still going to have a meeting about this. So it's pretty much up in the air. Um, the people I've talked to have said, I don't think it's going to happen. And then there's other people that are hopeful. I haven't gotten anybody that has told me um, it's going to happen. So what are your thoughts? How do you think, you know, maybe fall football would come back? Uh, and is there a way to do it safely? Uh, so uh, first of all, I don't think it's, we're going to be playing football in the fall. But I do think it's going to happen in the school year. The way, what I think the CIF is going to do is on July 20th when they make their next decision, they're going to swap baseball and softball with football and other fall sports. And we're going to play those. We're going to play spring sports in the fall and fall sports in the spring. And then we're going to have a year, a year straight of football just happening, mm. which is going to be crazy. I mean, I'd be fine with that because baseball in the fall, that works. That works for me. Yeah. <laughs> as a, as a baseball player now, I would prefer to be in the, in the spring just because weather because, I mean, yeah. spring, sometimes you don't get good weather as is. Football, I mean, you could kind of grind through um, some stuff, but you got to look at field safety for baseball. I don't know. It's all up in the air. Well, another thing with playing baseball in the fall is, like, you know this as well as any. Like, when the season starts in February, it normally is 3.30 games or earlier. And then after daylight savings time, we go to 4 o'clock. So we'd have the opposite thing happening where games are starting at 4 o'clock and ending at 3.30 at the end part of the year, which would be bizarre. But um, I'd be, like I said, I'd be okay with it. And springtime football, I mean, that's, that's a whole new thing. And I think the main reason here is the CIF has to get their money from um, their state championships because they didn't get basketball last year. They had football, but they didn't have basketball or they didn't have track this year. So, I don't know. A lot rides on the CIF decision here. Yeah, for sure. All right, Kyle, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate the time. Uh, good talk. Keep in touch for sure. Uh, again, where can people find you in terms of plugs? Give me your social media and give everybody your website again. So, uh, first of all, my website is NapaSportsNews.com. And um, you can find me on Twitter at NapaKyle. My website's Twitter is at NapaSportsNews. Same thing as the website. I'm on Instagram as Kyle Foster Media. Um, and then Napa Sports News again there, too. And then uh, on Facebook, Napa Sports News. And then, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, TikTok. TikTok is on. <laughs> yeah. I'm on TikTok. Napa Sports News is on TikTok as Napa Sports News. So, um, and I'm trying to build that right now, too. And uh, hopefully we can run this together on both of our YouTubes and get good views. So, For sure. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And I, real quick on the TikTok thing, did you think a year ago from this day you would be starting up a TikTok? <laughs> Uh, so first I thought TikTok was stupid <laughs> and then my, and then during the quarantine, I'm like, 
I'm bored. And then my mom was all, just download TikTok. You'll enjoy it. Now I can't stop watching videos. <laughs> so now I've got high school kids following my Napa Sports News one. I'm like, okay, now I got to find out how to use this thing. Because, you know, I, I graduated high school four years ago. That was when Twitter and Instagram were cool. What? Yeah. I'm so far out. Of, like, it's crazy how far we've come. But TikTok is great. I highly recommend it. For sure. Hopefully you figure that out pretty soon. Kyle Foster, everybody remember the name. Uh, as for us, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at RizzoCast and on Instagram at RizzoCast. Facebook to be determined. I forgot to change the name from Throwing Strikes to RizzoCast. So I got to figure out a time to do that. Um, and also you can follow me on Twitter at Steven Risotto, S-T-V-N-R-I-S-S-O-T-T-O. And on Instagram, my media account is at Rizzo Baseball, R-A-Z-Z-O Baseball. So go ahead and follow that. All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. Have a great day.